Hello, and welcome to Kroll Security Concepts Podcast, the podcast where Kroll security experts discuss the more prevalent topics in today's risk environment. Today, we have two special guests joining the podcast, Shireen Abadi and Matthew Dumpert. Shireen is an Associate Managing Director from Kroll's Los Angeles office, where she leads the Fraud and Financial Investigations practice. She came to Kroll this year after a distinguished 10-year career with the Federal Bureau of Investigations, most recently serving as the lead case agent for the Special Counsel's investigation and prosecution of Paul Manafort. Matt joined Kroll over three years ago after a distinguished career as a special agent with the U.S. Department of State, where Matt was often stationed abroad at U.S. embassies working on federal investigations, the protection of overseas missions, and any threat management work that may have arisen in his area. The topic of discussion today focuses on the sharp uptick in threat management work we are seeing in the corporate environment, coinciding with both COVID-19 financial impact and the current civil unrest across the United States. While a bump in threat cases was expected due to this financial impact of COVID-19 and the resulting furloughs and layoffs, The influx of new threats resulting from racial tensions, political ideologies, and in some cases direct targeting by outside parties has led to a dramatic increase in the amount of corporate threat management cases we are seeing. On today's podcast, we have brought in our experts to discuss this current threat environment and how Kroll goes about responding to these threats with a multidisciplinary team of experts. Sharina Matthew, welcome to the show. Thanks for having us, Jeff. It's good to be here. Thanks, Jeff. Nice to talk with you. Good deal. I have some questions for you, and I'm intrigued to hear your responses based upon your career experience and your current projects working alongside each other to assist clients in this increased threat environment. I think my first one here is probably for Matt. Uh, Matt, if, if we look at the time, this time compared to last year, uh, what are you seeing as far as number of actual threat cases, number of cases you're getting brought into, has there been a marked difference in the numbers? Yeah, Jeff, that's a good question. Actually, there's been a significant increase. If we look at this time last year and compare it to now, um, not only is there uh, uh, more cases we're being brought into, but they're more nuanced. You know, the public is under tremendous pressure right now, and it manifests in the workplace uh, in significant ways. Uh, So threat management cases Threats being lodged to executives, to supervisors, to colleagues, um, you know, significant now. And it's because we're all under tremendous stress. Interesting. And like the typical types of cases, what are you seeing different now compared to how they might have been last year when they were coming in? Well, they're escalating very quickly. Uh, we're seeing a lot of folks with mental health issues, unfortunately, that are that are going unchecked whether it's because they're unable or unwilling to be out in public and and visit their mental health providers or whether they don't feel comfortable going to the facilities where their providers are. We're also finding a lot of folks that are, you know, out of work, whether they've been furloughed or laid off um, or downsized, you know, folks are under tremendous financial stress. And what it's doing is it's making good people act in ways that they otherwise wouldn't. Uh, we're not seeing a marked increase in, in, in bad elements acting. We're seeing good people doing things that this time last year we just didn't see. Uh, I guess for the both of you, are there any trending elements that you're seeing with these incidents that you guys are handling that would be useful for our listeners to hear about? 
Yeah, sure. I think, um, you know, clearly with the unrest that's happening across the United States and, you know, in both in urban centers and also in, in some less urban areas, we're seeing incidents that are racially and politically motivated. We're seeing incidents that are opportunistic in nature. So given that there's maybe a protest going on in a certain area, you'll see incidents that stem from that, whether it be, you know, commercial burglaries on a business that's been left unwatched or, you know, is shuttered because of COVID or maybe because of the unrest or just because of the reduction or preoccupation of law enforcement that might otherwise be normally patrolling the area. Hey, Jeff, I'd like to add something to that, uh, if I could. You know, we also see folks implicating their employers uh, in this in the ongoing social dialogue where employees expect a lot from their employers and their colleagues amidst social unrest. Um, whether no matter which side of the issues uh, folks fall on, they're expecting some response from their employers, from their colleagues. Uh, and when they don't get that, it's leading to instances of workplace violence and increased tension. Okay. And as we deploy and we kind of help our clients with these threat management cases, I know a big part of that is the investigations. But Shireen, I know most of our clients probably don't have FBI trained investigators as part of their internal investigations. And what are the issues you often see with internal investigations being handled by personnel who have full time jobs in other aspects of the business? Sure. I mean, that's a great question. I think at its basis form is, is interviewing, right? So an investigation is not just gathering of information and not just asking questions, but these are learned skills on how to interview people to elicit information and then how to connect dots between the information that you're gathering. And although, you know, it may be someone from human resources or the general counsel's office or a compliance person, um, they may be fantastic at the jobs that they were hired to do for their company, but they're not by nature trained investigators. Um, often we'll get called in after a quote unquote internal investigation has been unfruitful. And we'll notice that the interviews were done with maybe multiple people in the room or the information they were relying upon hadn't been appropriately corroborated or vetted or, you know, they'll have interviewed people, but not done much homework up front so that they can gauge whether the person is providing them with truthful information. So understanding that maybe hiring you know, FBI-trained investigative team may not always be feasible um, for a variety of reasons. You know, there's some basic rules of the road that um, internal components can use to be more successful in their investigations. I mean, just the basics of doing your homework first and knowing what you know, what you don't know, what you can learn before you talk to anyone, maybe from records, you know, what, what you can learn from talking to people and who you need to talk to. And then, you know, interview one person at a time in person, if possible, maybe not feasible in our current environment. Don't read from a script of questions. Remember, you're not just asking questions. You're trying to elicit information. So allow the conversation to guide where what additional questions you might ask that are logical. And finally, corroborate information. If you're going to be relying upon it for decision making, you want to make sure you've vetted the information as well as possible. It's not really an exhaustive list, but it's a really good starting point. Yeah, I like it. I mean, what we have seen, and I've sat through some of these uh, interviews as well, I think that makes a lot of sense to have that outside party come in and, and do these interviews. And that's where we see a lot of success in these threat management cases. You know, Jeff, you bring up a really good point. Understanding your environment is critical. There's times, and, you know, I'll give a, a, a small example. If, if we suspect that mental health is afoot, 
uh, and there are issues with mental health. When Kroll puts together our multidisciplinary team of people, it's obviously seasoned investigators like Shireen, but we also have access to, to world-renowned uh, psychologists and psychiatrists uh, affiliated with some of the best institutions in the world. We have forensic accountants. We have all types of specialties that we bring to these investigations. And, and the goal there really is to understand what we have. We don't want to start managing a threat situation or engaging with a, a client where there's threats being uh, lodged without knowing absolutely everything about it. Because we don't want anything we do to, es to unnecessarily escalate things. Absolutely. Now, when you do bring in this multidisciplinary team, I know that you and Shireen are working on a lot of these right now. Uh, how does this usually get built and how does it actually work in the field when you're doing these investigations and responses to threat? Yeah, Jeff, when we build these teams, it, it's critically important in the intake phase to understand everything we can about our clients. Uh, some of the clients we have a very good relationship, a long-standing relationship with. They know our capabilities, we know their problems, and we can move forward very quickly and swiftly. Uh, when we're talking with with new or potential clients, it's really just about being good listeners, understanding the totality of what they've got, uh, and also understanding what internal resources they have. You know, the the intake process is is can take uh, you know some time, but it's critically important. We have to understand the threat actor, the person that's concerning people. We have to understand what's happened. We have to understand potential friction points. What's happened? What is their grievance? And if they've demonstrated any, uh, you know, activity or or behavior historically that uh, that might inform our process, there's no shortage of resources that we bring to these. But we have to do it smartly and understand exactly the type of problem and the type of threat we're dealing with. And I think just to add to that, I mean, one of the reasons we bring in multidisciplinary teams to these investigations is because. All of these different aspects, they don't live in stovepipes. They, they need to be communicated and built off one another. So what we may learn from, you know, scrubbing of social media or reviewing of accounts and tracing of money or from interviews needs to be shared with the rest of the team so that information can be built upon as we look into these various nooks and crannies to find additional information. So communication would be my suggestion as to, you know, how you would proactively and really effectively work as a multidisciplinary team during a threat investigation. No silos in our investigative teams, obviously. Right. Exactly. Uh, now, this is a problem that a lot of people are, are facing right now, uh, but how has the working from home environment impacted your ability to be able to do these threat management cases and these investigations? How are you being impacted by everybody working remotely? I mean, I can take that one to begin with, given that my my particular skill is is interviewing and being able to read people and elicit information from people and and kind of get people to tell you things they might not normally want to tell you. Doing that remotely is extraordinarily difficult. It provides a huge hurdle to building rapport with people that you're interviewing and be able to read uh, the veracity of what they're telling you. It also makes it um, really difficult because you don't know the environment that they're in when you're talking to them. So although you may be able to see their face on a screen, you have no idea who else might be in the room or what may be in the background or what other kind of stressor just occurred. And it just is this very large sort of wall or barrier to, to conduct, conducting really good interviews. 
Um, I think also it's, it's difficult for the client because they're dispersed in different areas. And so they may not have the normal institutional controls and insight that they would have um, in, in a normal world, whatever normal might be. But those would be my two big ones. You know, those are excellent points. I'll add just one thing is that, you know, also in any of these threat management cases, pe- people are personally affected. People are either people's uh, livelihoods, their person, their family, or their workplace is being threatened by something. And managing client anxieties can can oftentimes complicate the process, but you have to understand that. And you have to understand that just like, the, you know, the people that are lodging the threats, our clients are under tremendous pressure as well. Uh, compounding uh, the threats they're dealing with in the workplace is, you know, them trying to juggle the home life balance with working from home and not having access to all the information they normally would and potentially, uh, you know, working in an environment with lots of exterior pressures that they normally wouldn't deal with in the workplace. So not only are the threat actors and those lodging threats, um, you know, operating with higher levels of anxiety, but, you know, oftentimes our clients are too, and they don't have the protections they're used to in the office. They don't have security personnel. They don't have protocols and procedures to, you know, safeguard them and that umbrella of protection. Uh, So, you know, again, anxiety levels are high, stress is high, and that, you know, that bleeds throughout some of these threat cases. Interesting. I can certainly see how all of these things coming together are making a more difficult response to threat management and really making people even less comfortable in managing threat internally in their corporations. Um, To wrap up the topic here, is there any expert advice that you two might be able to impart to the listeners regarding the management of this emerging threat and all of these new difficulties we have in managing threat today? Sure, I can. I would say the biggest one is have a plan in place before something happens so that you can respond more quickly and effectively. Um, You know, I think most large businesses probably have some form of emergency response plan or some form of continuity of operations plan, but really take a deep look at that because I think one thing COVID has shown us is that this crisis is unlike any other. It's not lasting a day or a couple of days. It's not impacting only one region or one part of the world. Um, It's global. It's pervasive through all industries and it's very long lasting. And there's so many unknowns. It's very difficult to know if you're standing on firm ground when making decisions. So take a good hard look at whatever your emergency response plan is. Make sure that you're Um, incorporating lessons learned from our current environment. And I think the second thing would be ensuring that you have some sort of redundancy in your key decision makers, because you don't know who's going to be impacted by whatever threat and or emergency you're, you're going to be reacting to. So if there's only one person that's making all these key decisions and they get taken offline for whatever reason, who's going to be the one calling the shots? So make sure you have some redundancy built into your plan. You know, Shereen, that, that those are excellent points. And, and if I can just add on to the last one in redundancy, that's why a lot of the times with the with the clients that we work with on a regular basis, we help build a threat management team and a threat management program, which has representatives uh, from a cross section of their organization. So they can do exactly that. They have built in redundancy. So if a threat comes in, uh, and one of the team members is impacted, uh, you know, there's there's a fairly robust team that's trained on how to deal with these things. So, you know, excellent point. I'd really add only two small points. And, and one is, 
you know, be aware of the red flag indicators of potential violence. You know, there are things to look out for. There are things that escalate threat cases in our minds. And those are the types of things you want to look out for. Um, and not to discount anyone's grievance. When we're talking about a threat management case, it's important to realize that reality from the threat actor's perspective is the most important part to be mindful of. Uh, it doesn't matter what an independent third party would think about their grievance. It, it, that doesn't control their actions and whether they choose to escalate to violence. So understanding that even a small grievance or a seemingly small grievance to to a supervisor or legal counsel or a human resources representative could be a very big deal for somebody. So it's important to understand, you know, we can't let those things go. We have to assess those as we find them. I want to take the opportunity to thank Shireen and Matthew for joining us on the podcast and also thank all of you for listening. We hope to see you all next week when Matthew and I are back with Danny Linsky, former superintendent in chief of the Boston Police Department, to discuss protecting your business and people during times of social unrest. Oh, 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 oh,